This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 115 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Um, It's one of those weeks, Joshua, we always seem to have something going on before the podcast even starts. Friends, you can use your imagination on what difficulty we uh, ran into this week. And it was on me. I'll just say that had nothing to do with Joshua. So, yeah, well, uh, let me say this. It's not just the before the podcast stuff, which, you know, both of us kind of get a little tangled up. This is take two people. Uh, You know, this is (laughs) this ain't the original. (laughs) Right. If if we're going to be completely transparent with our audience, you need to know that we were having some internet issues. So we just said, you know what, we're just going to redo this. We're going to start from the top and it's going to be even better that way. 100%. You know, nothing wrong with it. Uh, Let's get into our first topic of the day. I had been looking kind of online over the past couple of days, just seeing what was up in the world of college football, because it is a slower time of year and there's not as much out there right now as uh, you know some of these guys are preparing for pro day next um, with there not really being anything in Indy for the combine so I saw this article with signing day just recently um, happening there was an article on CBS Sports and it was what teams had the best classes over a five-year average entering 2021 and Joshua what would be your just off the top of your head guess I I think mine would be probably the same as most people listening right now my assumption would be that Alabama would have had uh, the best classes over a five-year average entering this year Um, but since you asked me that question I'm sure that Alabama is not the right answer so Georgia is (laughs) um is sitting up here with their um you know average over the the top over the past five years with a top um top prize here with with george being at the top and i i guess if you go head to head with alabama and and you look at every single five-star four-star guy that they got i still think alabama probably has has got the most talent over the past five years but when, it, when you look at an average and you do see these recruiting classes year to year and Georgia is always right there. Sure. But it's, to me, it's underperforming. And I, I mean, I know Georgia has been in the mix here 
mm-hmm. in the past several years. But when you look at it, especially this past year, Joshua, I, I just think that they're not living up to the expectations that they should have for themselves as a program, considering you're getting the top talent. Period. No, I'd I'd tend to agree with that. And they had the national championship game that they played in a handful of years ago. But outside of that, um, the the lack of college football playoff appearances in the last five years, I think, says the full story. When you're the the top uh, over a five year average in terms of recruiting, in terms of rankings, in terms of stars, and you don't make the college football playoff in all of those years, I would definitely say it's underachieving because you get a school like Oklahoma who manages their way in there. Obviously, it had LSU, but you get a school like Notre Dame that manages their way into the college football playoff. Um, it, it's, it, if we're talking about, you know, you had the the third best or the fourth best, and I could understand how you might end up the year as the sixth best team in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's the margin of error. But for me, you can't be an average of number one all those years and not be in the playoff consistently the way that Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson uh, have been as teams who appear on this list as well. And we had talked about it in a previous podcast. <clears throat> Part of this too is, you know, you get these these big time recruits, these like four or five stars, and they're expected to just be ready to go right out of the shoot. Like they're expected to come into whatever program that is and deliver um, at the highest level. But, you know, some of these teams are also, you know, they're going to have some of these lower star guys that eventually you would hope if you are a program that's legitimate, like Alabama, who just has just been so consistent, they are developing guys there still. And, the concern that I have with Georgia is I just, I really do think that there's a lack of development there. Um, I I know that I'm probably underselling them a bit right now, but Mm. I'm going to, to hold them to the highest standard though, because they're in the sec. And when you're a program like that, that's getting these guys that has the money that has everything that they need to compete with the likes of Alabama they, they, it's just to me, like, I just don't think the program is doing as much as it should do. So, I mean, I don't know. Is Kirby smart there for the long run? That's a good question because if it he is. doesn't do anything next year, I think things start to, to definitely come into question there in Athens. Yeah. And I guess it's hard, right? Because with, with the, the talent that they bring in, the expectation is going to be as high as it is. But when you look at the overall success that they've had there, it's not that they're a bad program. It's just that you expect them to be a a perennial college football playoff type team. I I truly believe that the thing that has held them back is elite quarterback play. And I've said this before on the show. Mm -hmm. I will continue to say it. They had the guy who could have taken them to a national title, potentially won one in Justin Fields and he ended up leaving Georgia and coming to Ohio state. And, and, you know, my fan base got to benefit from that. But um, when you look at Jake Fromm, I don't believe that he was an elite guy. And then whatever they were working with thereafter, a a number of guys that were on, it seemed like a quarterback carousel at Georgia, it really hampered their abilities. And then this is what happens is when you don't have 
the elite quarterback play, then you don't get the elite wide receivers because why would you want to do that yeah. to yourself? When, when you're a wide receiver, this is what makes the most sense to me. If I'm a wide receiver, these are places that I would probably go. I would go to Alabama because I know yep. that Nick Saban is always going to have a really good quarterback. That's what he's done these last handful of years. It's what's really elevated him and kept him relevant in this offensive ecosystem that we're in with football. Uh, I would go to Ohio State because Ryan Day is always going to have a great quarterback mm -hmm. and Brian Hartline's coaching receivers. I would go to Oklahoma because of Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And I think that he's great with quarterbacks. And then the other place I'm probably going is to the University of Florida because yeah. as much as I crap on Dan Mullen, I think that he is a very good offensive mind who's great with quarterbacks. And that's where the talent should be is where the great quarterbacks are. Nowhere on there did I say go to Georgia nope. because Georgia lacks a quarterback, which means that your production is going to lack as a wide receiver. Yeah, and that's a great point, Joshua. And again, it comes back to, because you mentioned some really good coaches in there. And I, I just don't know if Kirby has done enough yet to, to be in really that top, you know, es upper echelon yeah. of great coaches. And his yeah. name had been mentioned a couple times in the past few years. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and say I'm not putting him there right now. No, they have a second tier that. guy. He's a second tier guy. Um, and, and he's touched that, that upper echelon, but I really only think if I'm being 100% honest yeah. it, to me, it's, it's Nick Saban, Ryan day and Dabo Swinney sure. that are the, the, the upper crust, like the yeah. top of college football. And really you could, you could put a little bit of space between Nick Saban and the other two. Yeah. And then as you go down the list, Lincoln Riley's a guy that I mentioned. I think Dan Mullins in that conversation, Ed Orgeron, the jury's out a little bit for me, but you win a national title. You deserve some of that consideration. I put James Franklin up there, uh, but Kirby Smart is a guy who would be in that kind of second tier of college football coaches. And mm -hmm. you can't be that when you've got top tier talent year in and year out. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's going to be interesting because, um, Later on in the podcast, we have uh, something in terms of a, a new uh, person that was hired by Kirby Smart, a name that you're going to know, and we'll get into like what he thinks that's going to do. What 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 kind of help do you think this is going to bring? Because it's a different type of position um, in terms of coaching that um, is going to be brought up. So we'll talk about that a little bit later and see if, if this is kind of an um, innovative way of kind of upping the ante there. We'll see. Okay, so we move on to our next segment, and I thought it would be fun to pick your brain because you're always good about just laying it out there, just, you know, giving us what your opinion is. And sometimes people, you know, might not like it. Sometimes they do. But we are early in on, you know, even getting into spring ball yet, but I'm going to pose the question of what teams have the most pressure to perform at a high level coming into this season? I love it. I absolutely love this question. Um, I mean, I can take you through different conferences. The first thing I will say is um, I don't actually believe that any team in the ACC would be 
a team that I would have this conversation with because I really do think in that conference, the expectations are Clemson is going to run it. Yeah. Um, and then wherever else the teams fall, you just hope that they're not super far back, if that makes sense. Mm hmm. And I think that's the identity and the brand of their conference. And it works out fine because you get teams like UNC um, yeah. who, who play some pretty good ball. And I feel like Boston College is going to be a team that's on the rise the next few years. So totally fine. Looking at the Big Ten Conference, uh, Michigan, 100%. I, it's just high pressure, right? You, you, Harbaugh signed that bum-ass deal that he signed where really they were like, you got to earn this because we don't trust that you're worth what we were paying you before. So he took a pay cut. Mm -hmm. And then the buyouts are favorable on either side. It's favorable for Jim Harbaugh if he wants to leave and whatever team he goes to next has to pay the buyout. And it's favorable if the athletic department wants to fire him and they got to pay him to get rid of him, right? And so the pressure is there because for him to recoup the salary, he's got to perform. And I think for either party to be happy, he's got to perform. Also out of the Big Ten, I think Penn State has an yeah. added layer of pressure yep. because of how poorly they performed early on in the year. And they ended off the year really well. I don't know how many people were really tuned into them by that point. Um, great job at the end of the year, just a terrible start. But James Franklin's recruiting class uh, this year was unimpressive. It was yeah. not impressive at all. And so I think there's just a little bit of funk around that program and they've got some things to figure out. Uh, venturing into the SEC, number one team, uh, is, is in my opinion, LSU for the only reason is because of how much they dropped off of a cliff. I agree. And Ed Orgeron mm -hmm. was talked about as an elite coach. And I've had the conversation with you plenty of times. I just never saw it. Um, I think he was a coach who was a beneficiary of one of the best statistical quarterbacks for a season that we may ever see. And uh, a wonder kid at coordinator. And he's had his issues. He's fired some defensive coordinators. Yeah. You know, it was just the offense did not look very good. He had a lot of talent that was just not there. And um, I think it really showed his flaws. The other program is one that we just talked about. It, it's, it's Georgia just for the sake of can you get back to the college football playoff? I think there is a little bit of pressure there for them to perform the way that they recruit. I really, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like those. No, I was just going to say that the ones that you brought up, I, I feel like everybody should be like on along the lines of those programs that you brought up. I don't think anybody should be like, Oh, nah, I, I don't think that there should be any pressure on those. Like what's your, what is an argument against that? Like, yeah, I, that's, you know? that's really what I'm thinking of. Like <laughs> the, the teams I'm naming, I'm not like, it's just like, there's, there's pressure because for whatever reason it is, maybe you're, you're underperforming. Maybe you, you know, there, there are questions about the performances that you put out there, this is legit. Now, this is a school that I think has pressure because everybody's excited. Texas. Yeah. I think yeah. there's some pressure there because you, you feel like they've been in a slump for a while. Now they've got a guy that they're confident in. And it's not just the pressure to perform on the field. I think they have a pressure to recruit at a high level too. Um, and They've got Quinn Ewers, who is a, a top-level quarterback in the state of Texas. He's committed to Ohio State. Like, there's pressure to make sure you can get that guy back in state so he stays home. And he grew up a Texas fan, so you have every reason to do it. So I see that. And then as you go out west, usual suspects. I think um, USC always has pressure. It's just oh, yeah. the nature of that job. But also, 
I believe that there is some pressure around Oregon um, because they continue to recruit pretty well. They, I just, since Oregon made the college football playoff in 2014, the year that my team beat them, um, I just don't know if they've really been able to, to get back into that elite conversation. And I know a lot of people out West feel like they should be up there. Okay. Well, let me, let me dive in on Oregon specifically. What's funny about Oregon is I've been dealing with this ever since I went to college at Washington state. Listen, Oregon's a good program. Oregon can market the crap out of Oregon because they've got uniforms and kids want to go there and wear all the new and cool things from Nike. And they've got a legit, you know, setup there, but Oregon doesn't ever live up to the actual hype year in and year out. Oregon is always ranked in the top 25. They always get, you know, notoriety. But I don't think that they have ever really blown me out of the water. And yeah, they played Ohio State. They played you guys. I covered that game. Was that really a great game? Mm. Not right. really. Ohio State, in my eyes, kind of like was like, yeah, we're the way better team. Yeah. No, I'm. <laughs> I, you know, and yes. it's like, but they get a, it's almost yes. like they get a pass every year, Joshua. Well, they do because like harping on Oregon to change things up and to, this is okay. So let's let's talk about this. They do get a pass for a couple of reasons. They recruit really well. They have a favorable conference that they're playing in. The thing that happens and why it seems like they get a pass every year is nobody gives a damn yep. in the national media about yep. football out West. Yep. It, it Like you can yep. get lost in the sauce. And so you can technically underperform there. And it's not as big of a deal as if Ohio state, Alabama, Clemson, Texas, I mean, you can Nebraska who's, who's not even in the upper echelon of the big 10 people talk about them on ESPN sure. more than they talk about, Oregon not performing as well. And and so I personally have a belief that there needs to be pressure on that program. There should be yeah. pressure on that program because they they definitely are not achieving what I think is attainable. And they have all the resources. It seems like nearly unlimited resources. They have some of the best facilities around. They can recruit in Washington they can recruit in Utah and get some of the, the big Samoan cats that like are literally the oh, makeup yeah. of their team. They go into California and they get some really you, California has so many good quarterbacks, Yep, so many good quarterbacks and they're all right there. And I look at that team and by the end of the year, to your point, they, they, they should have been a top five, top 10 team and they're barely inside of the top 25, and they're going to end up playing in a Fiesta Bowl like they did this past year just because of the conference tie-ins that exist. And so you say, oh, we got a New Year's Six game. Wasn't a terrible season. But did you really do what you were supposed to do is the question. And that's that's where I'll leave it. I love it that you, you pretty much said, <clears throat> you know, the West Coast Pac-12, you know, barely people over here barely get to see it. And so you are absolutely right. And it, it brings up the question, like, how much does media really, like, influence things? Like, influence coaching firings and hirings? And, I mean, it very much does. Because if media didn't have an impact at all on any of that, 
or exposure than teams like Oregon. And I'm even going to throw in USC because, I mean, USC has pressure from people like us who, like, pay attention to it and people over there that are like, USC needs to be better. But really, the overwhelming response for USC, like, like needing a gut check is not really that great over here. I I tend to agree with that. It's again, like if you're USC, you're a a college football blue blood name brand and you're in a huge media market. And so like Fox sports wants you to do well because they're based out of LA, you're in LA. So there's some synergy there, but like overall nationally, it's really easy for them to get left out too. The reason they don't is just because of the history of that program. But it's like, yeah. we always joke around about AP voters mm-hmm. and uh, geographically, I mean, a ton of them have to be people that would be in the Eastern or central time zone overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. And so you end up missing when, when Oregon's playing Washington or whatever the case is, uh, just cause you're just not that tuned in. Yeah. It's, and that's one, of, that's going to be just one of the things that the PAC 12 is going to have to get innovative with once they get in their new commissioner and figure out a new TV deal, there needs to be some brilliant minds brought in Yes, to to really get creative. Hey guys, if you want to hire me, I'm just saying like, I'm always up for a challenge. I'm always ready to make things better. So uh, I'll endorse that. Right. If you need an exec on the board, I've got some ideas. Just holler at me, you know? Yes. Um, But really that is going to be the challenge to, to make them make themselves relevant, make their teams, these, these power um, teams relevant that they can actually compete for a national championship. Cause in my opinion, it hasn't even been close. Um, but yeah, I liked those other programs that you brought up as well. Clearly those are ones that are more in the spotlight that, um, you know, even with Texas, I know that they're getting a new coach there in Steve Sarkeesian and it's his first year, but you're absolutely right. It's Texas. And it's go time and they don't care if it's this year or two years from now, they want to see winning and that's what it comes down to. So it, the pressure starts now for Sarkeesian. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like there's, there's no, um, I don't even know. Like there's, there's no warm up period. There's no, no there's not. Oh, we'll give you a, no, they feel like they're built to go right now. They, they always yeah. feel like that, but that's what they feel like right now. Yep. You're playing with the big boys there. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so before we get into the the Georgia coaching situation that I, I told you we'd talk about, we wanted to talk about uh, this team down here in the South uh, that is making some moves. Josh Heupel, obviously the new head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, he actually just took a coach from the USC Trojans. Trey Johnson was a um, director of scouting and recruiting for the Trojans since 2008. So he plucked him out of Southern California. He's bringing him to Knoxville. And they just had actually a really good recruiting class over there. 
And then um, my friend Joshua Perry, he's been talking about something up there in Columbus because they're trying to pluck away a Buckeye coach. They are. Um, they have been courting uh, Al Washington, who is Ohio State's linebacker coach. Mm-hmm. And they want to – Tennessee wants to make him defensive coordinator. Now, uh, the details, of I, as I have come to understand it, are this. Al Washington makes uh, $500,000 a year coaching linebackers at Ohio State, which personally I thought he had outside of maybe the wide receivers, but the depth wasn't there on the with the wide receivers, the best coached, yeah. best performing group on yeah. the Ohio State team this year. So I felt like $500,000 is a lot for a position coach until you look at the payroll for Alabama and the payroll for Clemson. It's really not. Right. Um, slightly underpaid. The numbers that I was told from a very reputable source for Al Washington was in the 1.2 to 1.3 million range to coordinate the uh, the defense over there for Tennessee. Now, we've talked about the issues at Tennessee in depth on this show. Um, they're a dumpster fire. Yep. Typically, they're trying to change that, but we don't know if we should buy into the fact that that would ever change. Sure. Um, they succumb too easily to fan and booster pressure. The expectations yeah. are totally out of line uh, with reality, but that's a, uh, uh, that's a raise that can change your, your family lineage. You know, that's, we're talking about $800,000 a year uh, mm-hmm. difference potentially. Yeah. You're going to consider that, especially if they can lock you into a three-year deal with a, you know, a significant buyout, um, you would, you would consider. I don't know this to be a fact, but I also think part of Al Washington's strong consideration of the Tennessee job is the fact that when Greg Madison, who was one of Ohio State's defensive coordinators, decided to retire from coaching football after 49 years, mm-hmm. um, they gave Kerry Combs the sole defensive coordinator title and uh, did not elevate anybody on the staff or hire anybody even, but did not elevate anybody on the staff to yeah. co-defensive coordinator. Um, they elevated the special teams coach to uh, coach the secondary. Uh, mm-hmm. Kerry Combs is the sole defensive coordinator and they elevated the special teams quality control to the special teams coach at Ohio state. If you're Al Washington, you felt like you were probably next in line for that job because sure. not only are you a really good coach, um, but you're by all accounts and from what I've heard from everybody, pretty damn brilliant too, and wow. very organized. And so maybe there is this feeling of um, underappreciation from the, his current position to where maybe I'm slightly underpaid that can be debated, but they had the opportunity to reward me for the work that I've done by giving me a co-coordinator title and probably bumping his raise. The uh, Greg Madison was making 1.1. I don't know if you give him that, but you probably give him 850 to 900 and um, he's a happy man. And so now you have a coach who's flirting with another school. Now to put a bow on this, it's been back and forth. And, and even the folks who I'm talking to that are, in tune to this situation between last night and this morning, it's been back and forth where last night it was, Al's really considering it to, I got a, another call later in the evening 
to where it was, well, now Al is really thinking about staying home and he doesn't want to move his family to this morning. When I was doing the radio show, I got a text from a source who said, yeah, it's almost a done deal. I think Al's on his way out of here to later on in the day. I got something from somebody saying Ohio State's making a big push. They want to keep him here. Hell of a deal. Hell of a situation. But Tennessee is is definitely trying to uh, trying to allocate resources. And, And let me put this out here, too. I give Tennessee a lot of credit for wanting to pay yeah. the guy who they think that should be their coordinator $1.2, $1.3 million because LSU's paying their coordinators like that. Alabama's paying their coordinators like that. Clemson's paying their coordinators like that. Ohio State recently started paying their coordinators like that. But you got to pay to play. And if you want to yeah. win, that's what you have to do this day and age. Um, and so it's, it's become a, a, a little bit of a situation. Hopefully it clears up here soon. I'd love to see Al stay would not necessarily fault him for going. Although I think Tennessee is a bad opportunity, but yeah, it's a lot going on there. Well, look, and Al, like you mentioned, Al is is born in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, this isn't something where he has no connection to Columbus and Ohio state. Right. I mean, he, he knows the area very well because he's from the area and, you know, he's, he's been a lot of places. I mean, he was at Michigan as a linebackers coach. He's been at Cincinnati. He, he clearly played at Boston college and has had several roles there as well. So now the key question is for, is it really, you know, when you think about the lifestyle change, is this something that is, that he's going to want for him and his family in terms of a lifestyle change? And I know it's not super far in terms of distance, but it is a change. Yeah, and and it's a lack of security too. I think that might be one of the sure. the other considerations is you know lifestyle change and coaches deal with that. But when you when you dive into one of those, you want to do it somewhere where you feel like you have a little bit more security. And the consideration really might be um, you know eight hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand dollars a year at Ohio State, and, yeah. and and even if that doesn't involve a coordinator co coordinator title, which if I'm Al Washington, that would be my sticking point is I'm not staying here unless I am. But let's say it's just you're the linebackers coach, which you make 850 a year. Yeah. You have the stability and you can rely on that versus maybe I can get 1.3 for three years. But what's going to happen after that? Exactly. Well, and that's been the problem with Tennessee. And I think that's why you have to be weary of that. I think it, you'd, you'd be stupid not to be weary of that. Um, it yeah. looks like they're trying to change the culture there in terms of you know, Danny White coming in as AD, I, I feel like he's a, a good start to changing that kind of, you know, in and out culture with coaches. But but that takes a while. Too, it though. does. It, it does. And nothing changes boosters and fan base. I yeah, mean, it just that's doesn't. the tough part. That's the and, tough and part. That's where the ADs get in trouble. Kayla, I think that is probably the the biggest part about it. I'm glad you said that because it's the booster pressure really like you can change the ad and you can try to change the culture within the athletic department that's totally fine mm-hmm. but when it comes time to raise funds right when it comes time to pay the damn bills yeah there are concessions that have to be made and as an athletic director there just sometimes it's just too much like you have to do it mm-hmm. even if it's not the way that you want to run your business because if you don't do it there is no business Yep. And that's been the case at Tennessee. I mean, that is really the the chapters that have been written in the past here. It, it goes exactly like that. So we'll see if that changes. But I mean, interesting. I mean, very interesting. And again, if this is a guy who really does want to, 
you know, go to the highest level and be a head coach somewhere at one of these really great programs, <clears throat> maybe this is the move that he makes. I, you know, I don't know him personally, um, but I would say, you know, this is one of those situations where we've got what you described as a, a very brilliant mind, uh, somebody who is very organized um, and also a, a black coach, right? Yes. So, yep. it, that is something we've talked about that we need more um, black head coaches and, and maybe sure. people like this need the opportunity to, to get to that level. Um, and maybe this is a way to do it. Okay. Um, so let's play off of that real quick before we move on to the next topic. You're 100% right when it comes to that. And I didn't want to necessarily harp on that, but um, I was co-hosting a, a, a talk sports radio show here in Columbus mm -hmm. um, with Bo Bishop, who does a great job in media around here. And it's one of the things that he brought up uh, is when you, when you go to the SEC and you have success, you're guaranteed a job, yeah. right? So if he goes and, and their defense is lights out in the yep. SEC, he could be the head coach at, and I'm, I'm throwing out of school because I know South Carolina just hired a new head coach, but he could be the head coach at South Carolina in sure. three years if, if they, if they ball out. And Absolutely. so that's, it's definitely intriguing probably for him from that regard. And then, like you said, for a black coach to get that opportunity is a big deal. It's just, mm -hmm. a, it's the, you can explode like that and sure. it could be a very good thing or you could fall flat on your face and yep. it could be a very bad thing. And especially yep. as a black coach, like, are you going to get that other shot at being a coordinator? No, it might be four or five years before you get it again. Yeah. I've, that's a great point, man. I mean, this is just one of those things where I don't envy him for trying to make a decision, right? Because that is, at the same time, you have people that want you right now, and that's great. Um, but it's just like, you got to make the right decision. So we'll, that's see, it. we'll see what happens. And we'll keep you posted here too. Um, hopefully there's a decision that, that's made this week sometime. Before we leave, guys, um, speaking of, we were talking about Will Muschamp, how he was obviously fired at South Carolina this past year. And he is reemerging at Georgia. So Kirby Smart, who we talked about at nauseam earlier, uh, he actually has hired Will Muschamp on the staff as an analyst. Okay. This is Will Muschamp. has been a coach at many places. Um, he is now going to be there as an analyst. Um, the two actually worked together previously too. So they know each other well. Um, the role, I guess, what we're hearing is he is going to help the coaches coach, help coach the coaches. I mean, what? So now we need a position to help the coaches coach. Uh, like that's what right. we're down to here at Georgia. Like, so <laughs> let's talk this through a little bit. First off, let's talk about the Will Muschamp trajectory because there was a time where he was a head coach and waiting at Texas. I don't know if a lot of people yes. are like in tune with that, but. I mean, he was a guy for a minute, and now he's a a, a coach, coach, um, <laughs> an analyst. He's been fired a couple times. Um, <sighs> I guess my biggest question there is, it's twofold, right? You bring in the coach to coach the coaches who's been fired a few times. So, like, how much do I really trust him? But yeah. the flip side of that is, he's been fired, so he knows exactly what not to do. Sure, good point. Athletic departments are two things. They are. Um, they have too much money to do dumb things Thank like you. this. Yes. And then the second part of it is they're a bunch of copycats. Yes. Because now, now I hear of schools in the Big Ten who are starting to get rid of their 
younger analysts and younger quality control control coaches in favor for um, older Mm. coaches who are out of work or older coaches who are like kind of retired but still have an itch because Saban does it. That's what I was just going to say. It's the only reason this is happening. Saban does it. Is this not incredible? Like that Saban (laughs) has become like – he has literally become like the grandfather of college football. Like whatever Saban does, like turns everybody to gold. So everybody yep. else wants to do it. And yep. that's the first thing I thought of Joshua is because Saban's doing it. And because the coaches that have come down there under him, um, they've kind of changed things in terms of their career. So all these other coaches are, oh, maybe we could do this. Yeah. It's like, but and, you're but not Saban. No. And, and that's the thing, like, the the coaches that Saban's getting are you know they're they're fired coaches but they're elite they're level elite, fired yeah. coaches like they've got elite traits maybe they need a little bit of grooming yeah the other thing that that works for Saban in this equation is the dude is seventy years old so he needs younger yep. coaches that are maybe a little bit more in tune to the current trends to help him yep. and I'm not exactly sure that everybody needs that but the third thing that works for Saban in this equation is he organically lets this happen. Like he's not out here seeking these guys. He's letting the guys get fired. He's letting his guys go out and seek other opportunities. And then he's just filling a role on his staff where I know for a fact that some schools are, are actually getting rid of Mm -hmm. their younger analysts in favor for fire coaches. Like they're, they're inorganically forcing people out to bring these other people in because they saw Saban do it. I'm not here for that at all. It's weird. Like that's it's weird. Yeah, I'm I'm not here for the the non-organic way of doing stuff like that, especially if you have some of these people already in these positions um that you know might be younger, but my gosh, you can't just go let these people go just because this 75-year-old coach or, you know, a coach that's been fired six times is, you know, on the street without a job. My goodness, Oh, if they don't have, if they don't make two, three million for a couple of years. I'm, I feel so bad for them. Yeah. Give I'm now, break. this is a wild part is like, I know that an analyst who is my age, for example, uh, for one of these programs would make probably like 80, $90,000 a year. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what they would end up paying an old veteran coach. And there's two schools of thought is, well, they've been around the block, so they got money. But these guys probably aren't getting out of bed and no. and they probably turned down some opportunities to go to a place, especially like Alabama, to be an analyst. So I'm not exactly sure they're they're in the office for just 90 grand, which I'm not saying it's a small amount of money. But I mean, they're they're probably paying those guys a buck 50 just to to watch tape and then tell them what they saw on the tape for the coaches to go back and watch the tape again and then make their own conclusion off of what they saw to begin with well you're right because it's amazing and again i'll bring up my business again because there's so many parallels a name can get so much like a name that is washed up even that's been through three four networks who has been given their chance has has probably even sometimes decided to move on because they think they can do something bigger even though they're at the highest peak those names get recycled in our business all the time. And guess what it means? No room for other people to try to get a chance to, to, yep. to, to bring in new faces and new energy. Instead, they recycle names and pay names a lot of money 
and yeah. and it doesn't work usually once they've Listen, kind of been recycled uh, the one name time. brand cost you know what i'm saying it does it's the it's the tropicana versus the damn kirkland brand orange juice that tropicana costs i a am bit kirkland extra. all the way i'm big kirkland you feel me you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're right i mean i don't i don't think they're making like jumbo bucks but at the same no. time i think that they're making more than any younger analyst yes. that's trying to get their foot in the door that's been they there are. a couple years you know so yeah it's it's and it, i'll tell you too like it's a it's an easier existence for these older coaches that are getting these shots um because they've they've got a little bit of a nest egg built up and you know they've they've got the name and that's the it's exactly what you said it really sucks because you got these scrappy young guys who aren't getting the, the shots that they should be and they're in there working not because they're they're you know trying to to get back all the way up to the top they're working just to get to the next rung on the ladder yes like they're they're grinding because they have to they they're grinding because if they don't come to work their family can't eat yep and some of these older coaches are pulling up in a mercedes <laughs> yeah right like i mean i wish i had that luxury man just to, to probably have a couple houses right one on the east coast one on the well, west coast. you probably coast. do you probably got a florida little uh you know bungalow it's, it's, there yeah. if it's if it's not if it's not by a beach it's definitely behind a gate exactly and then wherever else you want to be hey maybe the, the mountains you know some of these coaches like the the big sky country so Shoot. probably got a ranch over there you never know hey this was actually a really fun episode we didn't know because we we were coming in during the slow period of time obviously every week it could be completely different. I mean, there could be like crazy breaking news or just a lot of news. And then some weeks it can be a little bit quiet, but I feel like we found some good topics in here today. So hopefully the listeners, you guys out there enjoyed, um, Joshua, where can the folks go to find you on social media? They can find me on social media at RIP underscore J E P. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking for somebody to blow up my timeline. Let's have a little bit of fun. Yeah, we got to get him going here. It's been a little quiet period for Joshua on Twitter lately. So let's get him riled up because that's that's the, the fun that we have when we see Joshua just going <laughs> going off. Like I'm looking on my Twitter and sometimes I'm just like Joshua's name's like in every other tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on Twitter as well. We always appreciate your, your guys' comments and please... Um, if you love college football, you love to have some fun, go subscribe. Um, you can look look us up on Apple um, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. I mean, anything. Just type in Press Pass Podcast and uh, give us a rate and review and subscribe. And we will love you a long time. Well, we appreciate you guys. And we'll be back here same place, same time next week. Take care.